Hello and welcome to the For Parents Like You podcast. My name is Hilda Joy O'Connor and on this podcast we will be talking about all things to do with parenting. Being a parent is one of the most important roles you can ever play in the life of another human being. Let's be honest, there is nothing more fulfilling than to see our children grow up in love, compassion and empowerment. But the process of getting them to this stage can be very difficult. On this podcast, we will be discussing ways of how to equip parents like you and me to become more effective and purpose-driven. Thank you so much for joining me as we dive into today's episode. Hello and welcome back to the For Parents Like You podcast. I have a special guest, Cami, a very good friend of mine, whom I came into contact about, is it four years ago? Um, at El Shaddai yeah. Church and... She, she's a mother as well as I'm a mother and she's doing amazing big things. And I just thought, oh, let's just get her on the show just to, you know, <laughs> share some experience of motherhood and, um, and what she's up to basically. Cami is not just a mother, but she's also a businesswoman. But um, before I give you all the gist, <laughs> I would love to introduce Cami and I would love Cami to just tell us a little bit of things that she does. So Cami, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Hilda. Honestly, it's such a pleasure to, to be on someone else's podcast for. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and um, yeah, and I love seriously, I love your podcast. I've loved the episodes that you've put out. And it was it's an honor to be a guest on your show today. Thank you for coming. I really appreciate it. I really do. So Cami, can you let us know what are you doing? Because you are not just a mom, but you are also a businesswoman. What am I doing? Oh gosh, there's so many things going on. <laughs> so yeah, like you said, I'm a mom. I've got um, a son who's four years old. Um, and my main sort of job, my nine to five I do, I'm a regional sales manager. So I work for a bank. So I sort of deal with motor finance. Um, that's my nine to five. But on the side, I have my own podcast that um, comes out bi-weekly. So it's called the Mummy and Mind podcast, which is solely about talking about motherhood and mental well-being and just having open discussions about men the mental health aspect of, of being a parent and just trying to build better relationships in the family as well. And I recently, coming up to a year now, a year ago, I set up a fashion management agency, which is based in Ghana. So we look after brands and models and um, designers and we hold events. So I'd say in essence, we would create a whole fashion show from start to finish for an event or um someone that's looking to host anything fashion related and yeah we do it in Ghana so we'd had our first event during the year of return which was great COVID has obviously put a pause on things for this year but definitely we'll be continuing with more events moving forward every single time that you spoke just now Karen, I just like I just kept on smiling because <laughs> I just love how driven you are as a mom but also as a businesswoman, how do you balance both business and motherhood? You know what? It is literally the grace of God. That is the only way I can describe it because as you know, Hilda, you've, you've got more kids than me. <laughs> the energy, like sometimes you can wake up in the morning and you're filled with so, so much energy, you've got so many things in your head and plans. And then probably after two hours, your energy levels just drop. But I feel like when God has called you to do something or it's something that he needs doing he will give you the strength to finish it off and um one thing for me is just having really really supportive family and a partner that just gives me that flexibility to to explore different things to have the time to myself to plan stuff um and help out with 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 our son that's been a real i'll say that's the one of the main things for um, being able to balance being a mother and doing other stuff outside of parenting. Mm, that's good. I, I also relate to that because 
like you said, having a supportive family and um, a supportive partner you, you, helps you to be able to do what you're doing. For me, I found my husband extremely supportive. Um, mm. Motherhood can be so challenging. And oh, so, yes. And so draining. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think 100%. anyone who is not in the same position or season <laughs> as we are can understand the extent. I mean, they look cute by looking yeah. at them, but the process of, you know, caring for them is hard work. 100%. On top of that, you know, managing different projects and working um, full time like yourself, it's, it's not easy and it can be quite hard to balance. But having that support network, you know, helps to, you know, be able to share some of those responsibility in other that you can do your own things, right? Yeah, definitely. I think it's so important. I, when, I, when I found that I was pregnant, um, my partner, he, he said from, from day one, you know, anything that I want to do, he's going to support me because I think there's that narrative of when, when, when you get pregnant as a woman, the, the man can sort of continue his life and the woman has to, you know, let her dreams go or put it to one side so the kids are a bit older and he's not been a believer in, in that narrative. And he, you know, as he, want, he wants me to be successful as well as himself. So he knows that there's a part that he, he wanted to play to help, me, to help me feel that way and just really make sure that I didn't feel like I was missing out. Or that we're just sharing the responsibility as parents should do. That's really good. Um, you mentioned something that I wanted to just go back on. You guys conversated and agreed together, like, um, before when you were pregnant that this is what yeah. you're going to do and he was supportive in that and I think for parents like us it's really important that we understand and are on in the same page because using me as an example I didn't really know I didn't really have a holistic picture of what I'm I was called to do I thought that I was just yeah. called to be a parent and that's it but after, you know, after getting into parenthood, I began to feel that I was kind of losing myself. That's because mm. there was certain passions and certain desires that I wanted to fulfill. And I thought that, you know, having children was holding me back from fulfilling those yeah. desires. But if I had known what I know now, and I think I would have had that, you know, important discussion with my husband that, you know, these are my desires how can we you know be able to manage this as well as being able to look after our children so sharing that responsibility yeah because I remember in the beginning like my husband was going to work every single day sometimes 12 hours a day and I was stuck at home just managing the children and looking after them myself and it really that's another caused, job in itself mm, it, it really caused a mental instability within myself mm. um because I wasn't fulfilling me I wasn't um I was just 24 7 motherhood and that's all I knew um but thankfully yeah. with this COVID situation it's really helped to push me to you know saying like, Hilda you need to pick up your feet and you need to run forth and um, achieve whatever you have inside of you. And I have no excuse now because husband's home 24-7. So <laughs> <laughs> again, we can speak. No, honestly, this. when yeah. you announced that you were doing your podcast, my heart just jumped. I said, Isn't it? It jumped. That's good. Yeah, because just it's like the conversations we've had, obviously I've known you for um, a couple of years now. and The conversations we've had is, is, is never been an empty conversation the wisdom that you give and so knowing that you were now starting to do your own podcast and interview people and give give snippets of your life or things that you've gone through I definitely feel has always been needed and the fact that coronavirus as as, as awful as it is it's also giving you an opportunity to explore that and you know I think it's it's, it's a really it's really good to see that you've been able to push through with the podcast thank you that's so encouraging for me um, just going back a bit um, with regards to pregnancy. Yeah. How was your pregnancy and your birth? Oh, gosh. So four years ago, but it feels like yesterday. I, I remember, you know, when people say to you, oh, you know, after you give birth, you forget about it. Now I remember no. it all. It's been four years and I still remember it. But I think for me, so 
it might it might be slightly different from you because my pregnancy wasn't planned and I wasn't with my partner at the time so it was it was a big shock in a way that where I was I always knew I wanted to be a mum but I always wanted to be successful first so I was in a position where I'd just been promoted at work I you know was earning good money and that's I just my next stage in life was to continue earning good money buy a house get married do those things in in that order so being a finding out I was going to be a mum really snowballed me and it had a really drastic effect I would say mentally for me because I was trying to still pursue being successful but not also accepting that I am going to be a mum um, and so that battle um, was really hard for me so I think that that took its toll on my pregnancy to the extent that I didn't enjoy it at all because you sort of resent your what's going to happen so in my head, I was thinking, okay, I'm pregnant. I've got basically nine months to try and accept that I'm pregnant, but I didn't want to. So it was a constant battle. Um, and then just where I was working as well, you know, I was a manager. So I was managing a team of about six or seven people that were quite difficult to manage um, at one time. And being pregnant and having your own issues outside of work trying to then come into work and show face all of these things I think eventually when I got to about seven eight months it just really hit me and I had to leave um I was meant to go on maternity leave a month before I was given birth but I actually left two months before just because I just couldn't take it I said you know what? I just need to relax I need to rest I need to just you know try and enjoy it maybe at least the last two months of my pregnancy without being stressed um and then Move. I think the first day of my maternity leave, so I, I left work on a Friday, had the weekend, and then the Monday of the first day of my maternity leave, I got really sick. I remember it was around 11 o'clock in the morning, and I, I'll never forget, and I heard like a really loud, like buzzing sound in my ear, and then all of a sudden everything went really quiet, and I was at home by myself, so again, I, I couldn't, I didn't know what was going on, so I called, um, my partner and he said maybe you should call 111 like he doesn't know what's, he's not a doctor so <laughs> he, I should call 111 because at this point I could only hear from one ear so I called 111 told them what was going on they said oh you know sometimes during pregnancy people can lose their some of their hearing sometimes so we would advise that you go to Amy within the next sort of four to six hours so um, I was at home on my own. And at this point, I wasn't driving either because I, I was like eight months pregnant, seven and a half to eight months pregnant. So waiting for my partner to finish work, we went to A&E and um, the doctor looked in my ear and just said, you know what? He's never seen something like this before in terms of in late pregnancy, but all he can do is maybe refer me to ENT. So that's ear, nose and throat. But because they're closed at this moment because it was the evening he gave me a dose of steroids and told me just to take this it's probably my nerves are inflamed and um the steroids might help and then I'll probably I'll get a call in the next couple of days from the ENT for them to have a look at my ear at this point now about eight hours into the day my hearing had completely gone in my left ear wow and I had a continuous ringing sound in my right ear so in the following day I got a call from ENT so I went down to the hospital had a hearing test and I'd lost literally 90% of my hearing in my left ear. And no one was able to tell me why. Um, and because I was heavily pregnant, I couldn't have a MRI scan or anything to sort of give them assurance of what's going on. So they would just said to me, you know, there's a couple of, the only option is to either have the scan, which they, which they, rec- they don't recommend at all because I'm pregnant, or wait till I've given birth and it might just be a side effect of pregnancy and then my hearing will come back. So the last sort of two months of my pregnancy was just really stressful because I'm on maternity leave, but I, I can't hear. I can only hear from one ear, don't know what's going on, hoping that when I give birth, my hearing will come back. So then, um, but I think I got used to it. After two months, you know, you're, I'm more focused on the fact that I'm about to give birth. So yeah. um, got to be excited about that. And my labour was hilarious because I, I always said I'm going to have a three hour labour. <laughs> I, I said you know what look god you love me so much you're not gonna want me to go through any pain whatsoever so my labor's gonna be three hours we've cut a deal god so you know you've got to, you've, you've got to follow through with it so <laughs> I was on the phone to my friend and then I started getting contractions I said to my friend oh my god my labor started I'll chat to you in three hours when the baby's here <laughs> fast forward 72 hours 
<laughs> wow, 72 hours. 72 hours, so three days of labor. Oh my wow. gosh, it was horrendous. The pain was crazy. Um, and I didn't take any drugs. Um, so it was it was a crazy situation. But after three days, um, my son came. He was one day after his due date. But no, he came and he was perfect. Like at that mm-hmm. moment, everything that was going on, all the stress, everything from my hospital appointments, from work, my pregnancy, I just forgot all of it at that moment because, you know, he's finally here. And then, um, yeah, so that, that my pre- actually delivery of, of Isaiah, my son, was, was amazing. It, it, you know, I, words can't, I think everyone, mum experienced everything you go through. Once the baby's here, you just sort of forget about it mm. at that moment. Um, but then obviously fast forward, um, baby's here now. So they look into my ear. Then it turns out that I'd caught MRSA. What's during that? my pregnancy. Yeah. So I caught um, a viral, the viral, the virus. So it can attack different parts of your body um I don't know to you exactly where but the type of virus or MRSA that I had had attacked the nerve in my ear so it killed the nerve so that basically meant that I lost my hearing and it wouldn't come back because there's only a short window um if you catch MRSA that they can give you a particular medication that could um save the nerve but because I couldn't have a scan they didn't know what was wrong they couldn't give me that medication. So the nerve has completely died. So I never did get my hearing back um, from that. But that was for me, like the hardest part, part of my pregnancy, just obviously going through that and still living it really, to be honest. So, so, so you can't hear in one ear now? You can only hear Yeah, in so um, basically 90% hearing loss in my left ear, but my right ear works perfectly fine. So, and the way that the body works is if, one part isn't working the other one will overcompensate so my oh. hearing in my right ear is you know absolutely fantastic wow. <laughs> but obviously my left ear so it it is challenging it, the first year was really hard trying to adapt so obviously I've spent at that point 25 years 26 years of my life with hearing normally so having to lose my hearing was quite hard to adapt to but it's been four years now so I'm pretty much used to it to be fair do you have to wear like an hearing aid or? Um, so I, I have a hearing aid, but they didn't give me a hearing aid until a year after I lost my hearing. So at that point, I got so used to not using one. So when they did give it to me, it was a really hard transition. So I don't really wear it because it's it's just, yeah, it's uncomfortable. And I just, yeah, I don't, I don't think I, I really need it that much, to be fair. Okay. And during this time that you were going through all this with your ear and loss, what sort of help did you receive? So with um, my hearing loss, looking back now and the knowledge I have of just how mothers or um, or when, when you're pregnant, how doctors treat you, how they, they take, how serious your your symptoms can be. Looking back now, I definitely think they didn't take me as seriously as they should have had they maybe they potentially could have saved my hearing I don't know um but at the time I did I I didn't get any any real care to be honest when it came to my ear it was just wait till the baby's born and we'll see what happens um so that was something that I just had to sort of carry myself and obviously my family were there to support but again because it was so rare and no one had ever heard of it all people just didn't it just didn't make any sense so I'd tell people oh I've lost my hearing and people say what that that's really weird that's really bizarre but because it's not something that you hear about or the symptoms of pregnancy no one could really relate so I really struggled with it because internally like I know I have a disability in a way but it's not a visible disability so no one really understands or they don't get how it makes me feel or you know like sometimes I can be in a room and there's so much noise I can't hear everything or I have to position myself strategically in different locations to make sure that I can hear the conversation and things that I have to do but people aren't aware of because everyone else tends to have normal hearing so with that I would say it's a education thing in terms of if someone is going through something if people don't really can't relate to it it's sort of not seen as something that they need to bear in mind and I felt like that I felt quite lonely in that aspect when it came to losing my hearing I didn't think people understood how serious it was to me as the as the person that's going through it 
Mm. Wow. I didn't even know that this was the extent of what yeah, you Yeah, no, do you know what? I think for me, through, because uh, I have hearing in my right ear and it's such a a long conversation because people have so many questions. I don't tell people. I literally I've 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 been to places and known people for the last four years and they would never know that I can't hear in my left ear. Because I, I, I don't talk about it, I don't wear my hearing aids, so it's not visible. Um and but there'll be times where if I can't lip read what you're saying as well as hear what you're saying, I just say pardon. After I say pardon twice and I still can't hear, I just pretend I've heard and <laughs> carry on with the conversation. Okay, okay, wow. But it's you're just so amazing. Like, irrespective of this situation that you have, like you are still able to just see the bright side of life and you're just carrying on just pursuing purpose and not allowing this disability to stop you from being the best mom that you can be and the best, you know, business lady that that you are. And I just find it so amazing just how positive you are and um, <laughs> your aroma. It's not been easy. I think now, four years out, I'm definitely positive. But I have got, I have, I do have my days, which is why I started my podcast. Because I just realized, wait a second, there's not just because of my hearing, but just motherhood in general wasn't hasn't been easy. And I'm thinking, I definitely can't be alone in this. So doing my podcast has really been a healing process for me as well, because interviewing other mums and they they obviously reveal their story to me, it gives you sort of comfort in knowing that there is no such thing as a perfect mum and all mums go through challenges, whether it's through a disability or injury or trauma or something. But every mum has gone through something and I think it's just understanding that that helps you then know that okay there's nothing wrong with me or you know it is normal to feel this way but you can still excel in life you can still accomplish stuff that's right that's right yeah that's good um I remember when I first was pregnant with my first child Naraya um it was exciting it was planned um but the process of carrying her was beautiful but yet again challenging mm. um it why it was challenging for me was that i didn't have um like close family support network around me so i yeah. felt that i had to journey that um pregnancy alone with my husband well i think my twin sister was around as well but um yeah I felt quite sometimes disconnected with her because I wanted to be happy with my mom and dad right next to me you know yeah um and having that shoulder to lean on apart from my husband um <laughs> at the times when um I felt sad and I felt lonely but I didn't have a mom my mom um had died so it was very hard for me as a new mom and a new wife experiencing um loss a loss basically a loss of support Mm. um so it was difficult for me but I found that going to work going back to work which was the opposite case for you you wanted to um, (laughs) leave earlier you were exactly (laughs) but for me going back to work um helped me to take my mindset from focusing so much on that loss and it yeah. helped me to pursue pursue purpose. Um, yeah, and I found it out really, really enjoyable. Yes, my work was quite challenging. I was a TA to a young girl who had um, autism. And so I had to be following her up and down, helping her with her coursework. So I was basically her one-to-one support. And this girl's <laughs> disability, I think it was more than autism. Um, it was quite serious and quite challenging for me as a new mom but do you know what I really enjoyed it because I just felt that I was adding purpose to someone's life and that helped me to just have a more stable mentality but after birthing my little girl I had a very traumatic afterbirth my placenta got stuck which meant that I lost about I think 1.5 liters of blood. So I was wow. very close to a blood transfusion. 
and I was so weak. I had suffered with an anemia and it was very, very traumatic. And on top of that, my husband and I moved to his parents' house um, a week after my little girl had been born. So there was so much transition that was going on mm. um, around me and inside of me that I didn't really have that headspace to grieve, to grieve the loss for my mom. Yeah. Not having a mom there with me and um, to grieve the fact that my body is going through trauma, <laughs> giving birth to this child. And I kept silent. I didn't really share my my struggles with people and I would say suffering silence is a very dangerous thing very very dangerous 100% and I wouldn't advise that for anyone but it really had a toll on me I was very very unhappy how things had turned out and top of that my husband was working in order to you know make some income from us so I so I didn't really have him next to me on a consistent base and I felt that even being at the family home that I was I was mothering alone without the parental support that I really wanted um there were times that Harai was just crying constantly and I didn't know what to do because I was like this child is crying what should I do (laughs) Um, (laughs) um I need help but there were nights that I was just in tears I was literally crying whilst this child was crying in my arms <laughs> until she went to bed oh I've been there totally. I've been... <laughs> not the same not the same situation as you but I've been there where you know when my son was born he was born during the Easter holidays so um went home the following day and family member after family member were coming to visit us for the first two weeks everyone was off it was half term so for me this was great you know I was having bar- long salt baths I was able to have a nap because everyone was at home watching him and then after two weeks, everyone went back to work. And and our, my son's dad had finished his, um, uh, is it, when the, when the man, is it, I can't remember what it's called, paternity leave, sorry, he'd finished. So I went from having so many people around me to everyone going. And I remember I woke up one day and everyone had left the house. And I realised, oh my gosh, I haven't showered. I can't shower because who's going to look after the baby? And all of these things I hadn't experienced in the first two weeks of giving birth, it was a major shock. And I remember just sitting there in my pyjamas all day until around three, four o'clock when my mum got home, just crying. So I was like, I couldn't even go to the toilet, mum. I don't know what I'm doing because <laughs> no one's here. And, I, you know, I was in this false sense of reality the first two weeks. And it reality really hit home after two weeks when everyone had left. And it was just me and my son. And I had to learn that I'm going to have to actually be a mum now and I need, I need to I need to adapt to this. But yeah, it, it was crazy. There was, you know, times where I was just like, what is going on here? And strangely enough, as much as I hated work, I actually wanted to go back because at least I knew what I was doing in my job. I had control over that. Whereas being a mum, I had no idea what the following day was going to entail. Mm, mm, definitely. Wow, wow. But hey, you, you still got pampered the first two weeks. I didn't even yeah, get no, I did. But yeah, no, I did. But that, you know, it was, trust me, it was amazing. But yeah, once that's taken away, it's a massive reality check. But, mm. you know, I can only imagine what it would have, what, how it must have felt like for you. And I think it uh, felt like torture. Not, <laughs> can yeah, I be honest? No, can we just not, keep it real? <laughs> honestly, not being able to express. I feel like I've said this to so many people. There's a difference. I feel like I can tell my mom something. If my mom is doing something that's you know annoying me or winding me up or something, that's your mom. You can tell her. That's right. But if it's not your mom, let's say it's your, your husband's mom or like an auntie, it's just not the same. And so you feel like you're walking on eggshells, so you can't be yourself. So I, so I'm guessing because you're, it was it's technically your mother-in-law, there's still a, a certain level of respect or right. that you have to give, especially if, right. if it's not your house. But if it's your mom's house. That's your house too. You can do what you want. I can cry if I want. I can cry out loud. I can slam the door. I can do yeah. what I want. Yeah. <laughs> if I yeah. don't want to wash the dishes for two hours, my mum's not going to come and shout at me. But if it's not your mum's house, it is difficult. Definitely. Yeah, you're right. It definitely was difficult. And because they also had like other care workers coming to look after Manly's um, brother. So, yeah. you know, 
it was quite tight in space as well. So yeah, yeah, it, it it was difficult. But do you know what? I think that going through that experience has really helped me to be stronger um as a mom and yeah like it's helped it's really grown me as a person to know that God has us irrespective Mm, of the circumstance that we are placed in he gives us so much grace to be able to overcome that circumstance so that we can move on to the next level and I would say that he had to show me himself in the midst of that trauma that I'd gone through um, in the beginning of the birth of my of my little girl. And it helped me to know that I needed to rely on God because if I didn't, yeah. I wouldn't have made it. Yeah, um, definitely. So, yeah, so I believe every situation is a lesson for us. But like I said, I I believe that it's important for us as parents to seek help when, you know, when, when, when we are struggling. And the funny thing is that there is so much help out there, but we just don't know it. Or we just are afraid to ask for that help. 100% I agree with you. I think the first, the first I think it depends on your partner as well if they're quite supportive in terms of that I do know some partners some people that have husbands that if they mention you know I have anxiety or I'm not I'm not I'm not feeling too good today they will just say oh, they'll brush it off you know well my mum raised five kids and you know they do that comparison but there are a lot of say millennial dads or people that are just a bit more open to understanding that when giving birth is traumatic and being a new mum in this day and age is not the same as when our our parents are are cut from a different cloth so a lot of things that they would have gone through or still been able to pick themselves up and go to work we struggle to do that and once that barrier is broken that conversation can be had with your partner or your close family friends it does then make it easier for you to seek help as well whether it's counselling or um, going to a doctor and just saying you know I'm just really not myself since having since being pregnant or finding I'm pregnant or having a baby what 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 options are available for me to help me go back to how I feel I should be that's right yeah exactly you're absolutely right in that um so now moving on to the next question what do you love about being a mom oh what do I love <laughs> obviously I have a son so everyone knows what they and I'm Ghanaian as well and there's this narrative there's this whole perception um Ghanaian mums and their sons <laughs> Is that, is that what perception is that? They always say that we spoil our sons, we love our sons. And you know what? It's probably true, to be fair. But um, yeah, no, so, so I've got that that bond with, with my son. But the one thing I love is just, I feel like in life, everyone judges you and and people have the right to do so. And you're, you're never going to be seen as perfect to anyone but, but, but the Lord, to be fair. But your children always see you as perfect. And I'm like a super mom to him. I can't do wrong. And I think for me, that that encourages me. And it makes me just feel so happy knowing that he loves me unconditionally. And yeah, that for me is the best part of being a mom. I have two sons myself and a daughter, but I see the difference. I, I do think that <laughs> there is a special bonding and connection just the cuddles with, or like, yeah, yeah. yeah girl, those, those cuddles gosh you just don't want to wouldn't want them to let go like <laughs> yeah definitely um a mother and son's relationship is so divine I even see it with my husband um with his parents I mean he's really really close to his yeah mom. he's not close to his dad as well but there's a really really special connection with him and his um, mom and I can relate to that now having sons myself what was your favorite memory with your son favorite memory um definitely has to be our first joint trip to Ghana so obviously I'm from Ghana like I've said before and where where my family's from is really important to me um so being able to take Isaiah to Ghana when he was one the best memory for me I know he probably won't remember it now so he another trip is due ASAP for him but, you know, it was just nice to take him back home. And obviously, he's only seen London. So going from London to Ghana is a massive difference. And he loved it. The space, 
we stayed in the city, we went to the village and he literally thrived in all environments. Like he loved it. And I just loved seeing him enjoy our country. That's beautiful. We are, we have not taken our children yet abroad. We will be mm. taking them abroad soon. Their passport, <laughs> their passport, funny enough, came today and yesterday. So we have no excuse. <laughs> the journey. So now that our is a bit older, I don't think yeah. I would do that six hour flight just yet without, we've, so because he was one at the time, he wasn't talking as much and he slept throughout the flight. Thank God. And I think about it now, but now he's very talkative. I don't know how he will be on a six hour plus journey just yet. But yeah, that besides actually traveling there, when you're actually on holiday, that it, they're the best memories, to be fair. Wow, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. Is there something about Isaiah that is completely identical and opposite to you? <laughs> So identical definitely will be his um, personality or parts of his personality. So um, if you ever see my son, everyone says he's a spitting image of his dad. So like he looks like his dad, but what comes out of his mouth is you, Tammy. <laughs> this boy can talk for England, honestly. Really? He is such a chatterbox. He can hold a conversation with whether you're a child or an, a grown adult. You know, his confidence is crazy. And he definitely gets that from me, 100%. And I'm happy. I love it, obviously. It's nice to see when your four-year-old son, you know, doesn't feel a type of way talking to an adult. You know, he, he's, he's confident in that way. So I love it. Um, but opposite to me. So even though I'm quite loud and crazy, I don't like jokes or practical jokes. That's not who I am. Um, but his dad is the biggest wind-up merchant in the world and he's t- he's taken that from his dad so you know he my son can actually make me cry by not, I wouldn't say bullying me but he could play a, play a prank on me to the point where I will cry because I've had enough and that is the complete opposite to me him and his dad like gang up on me they love a joke they love winding me up and that oh gosh Want to that in the bud as soon as possible, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but it's yeah. So beautiful to see, <laughs> like the combinations of the different characteristics traits that you're It's crazy because we're so opposite. Me and his dad are the opposites. So then when you see our son have both our character traits, it's it's so it's so crazy to see, to be honest. Wow, wow. You mentioned about how your son is so confident are there certain things that you have done in order to you know add to that confidence and um help him in in that aspect yeah definitely a lot of the things we've done have been intentional um I think for us growing up we've looked at certain aspects of our childhood that we've pinpointed and said no that wasn't right we're not going to do that um, the main thing for us, obviously, as as I has been brought up, um, understanding who he is in terms of mum and dad loves you, but God loves you more. And it might sound really wild for anyone listening that might not be a believer or anything like that, but that's what we know, you know. And he he knows that God owns the world. So if God loves you and God owns the world, the world is also yours too. And we don't limit him in his thinking. He's just so He's very imaginative and we, 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 what's what I'm looking for? We really um, encourage it. We allow him to express himself. We have um, conversations with him so he understands stuff. So we wouldn't start, we don't just take him out of his bed and put him in the car and take him to nursery. We take, this is what we're doing today. We're going to nursery. We conversate with him. So he has an understanding. He's not just doing things out of routine. Um, it has its challenges because it means he's very opinionated <laughs> in what he wants to do. He can be like, no, I don't want to do that. But it's just, he has an understanding. Um, and we just, yeah, we're just very intentional with how we talk to him, the things that we do with do with him, how we talk as well around him. We think, try not to be negative um, around him. Um, and we just really try to expose him to different environments he's around he's the youngest in the family to be fair but he's around so many different age groups and I think that's really helped him and again he went to nursery quite early on so I think that has helped him really build his personality and his confidence Mm. 
That's good. That's really, really good. Well done to you, Mama. You're doing a good job. <laughs> oh, thank you. You're doing a good job. Um, what advice can you give to new moms or um, parents-to-be who may had who may be suffering with some sort of like depression you know how can they stay positive um yeah. during the time that they're carrying their child the unborn child so um prenatal depression is a real thing and I think people just assume about postnatal depression so depression after having your baby but there is prenatal depression and then there's um so PTSD, so for example, yes. yourself, trauma from a previous pregnancy might make you feel reluctant to have another baby. And these things are common. So I don't want anyone listening that is suffering with any of those two thinking that it's not a common thing. It is really common. And there's so much help out there. When you're pregnant and you are um, not in a good place or you know, you're, you're feeling very challenged, the way that the um, system works now is, you know, you'll go to your appointment and whichever midwife is there will do your scan and you, you have like maybe three or four appointments and then your baby's born. But if you do highlight to your GP or to your whichever midwife it is during your first or second scan, they then will put you on a different birth plan, which means you have a, you should have. So if it's not happening, then you need to obviously um, inquire as to why it's not, but this is how it should be. You should be given a, a designated um, midwife that will be continuously looking after you, so you have that familiar familiarity with someone, which does actually help in terms of fit, feeling comfortable around someone. And you will they they will potentially give you extra scans or extra meetings working up to your birth, just so to, to see how you're doing. And they should also refer you to a prenatal and postnatal sort of mother counselling group where you they'll talk you through like why do you feel this way so they can try and identify where the root of the anxiety or the problem is coming from and all of this literally starts from prenatal so when you're pregnant once you do that then the counseling team should follow you through to maybe up to maybe six months and obviously if you're in a good position then you'll be discharged if not it can be continual but it's all about identifying that there is a problem and being active and seeking help I think is so important especially as Christians a lot of people I know that we have spiritual attacks and warfare and stuff like that which is very real thing don't don't get me wrong but sometimes there's even you know God and Jesus really talk about you know applying wisdom and there are professionals out there that have been gifted and God has put on this earth to help us in these situations not everything can be done at the altar you know there's people out there that are there to help us overcome these barriers and these mental where the different the way that we think that might not necessarily be in line with where God wants us to be in life and we should really actively seek to try and be better in our way of thinking because again it has a role and effect on your child when when your child's born I totally agree um one of the things that I remember doing intentionally was when I when I had my last born I seeked counseling because yeah. we were going through um, quite a lot of stuff in our home in our marriage and I just wanted to be in a healthy place mentally I didn't want to go through what I'd gone through in the in the, with my first pregnancy so um, after seeing counseling I just I just began to see things from a positive um, perspective and it yeah. really helped um, my mental well-being just talking about certain issues that um was going that was festering in my heart that I really needed to release and she made me feel safe the the lady yeah. that what my counselor she made me feel safe I, I I didn't feel um judgmental um and she made me um understand why I'm thinking a certain way and it really really helped it I I would say it was very therapeutic but also a healing season for me whilst I was pregnant with my 100%. with my third born and another thing that I intentionally did was that I was also exercising I found that going to Pilates um prenatal Pilates yeah <laughs> that was so good I loved it um I went till the end of my pregnancy I think which is really encouraging a lot 
Wow. Yeah. <laughs> 39 weeks. Yeah, I was heavily pregnant and people were like, are you going to come now? <laughs> Is the baby going to come now? <laughs> like, no, I'm still going. But there was just like a boost of energy within me um, going through, I mean, going to the Pilates class. And I think it's important for us as, you know, expecting moms um, to do some sort of exercise because it really helps with your body and also your mental well-being. Yeah. Did you do some any any exercise whilst being pregnant? <laughs> so or? Anyone anyone that's listening that knows me will know I don't I am very when it comes to exercise, that's that's my area of, of like I've got a big X on. But I do know for many people, in terms of scientifically, it does produce toxins that are really good for your yeah. body to get your mind in a really good place. I just I'm, I'm just not that person, but I do know it is it is something definitely, whether it's going for walks. Um, whether yeah. it is finding a hobby that that encourages to go out and meet other people and be active, I definitely would recommend it. A lot of my friends, again, going to the gym, working out during their pregnancy, and you know they've always said it works really well for them. But I didn't do it, so I'm not going to sit here and <laughs> say I did. But I definitely know that it's something that works. And one thing I do want to say as well is aligning yourself with people that you want to aspire to be or look like the new you and I say that because I was the first person in my group of friends really to have a baby and the reason if I found it really hard to let go of my old life is because I didn't have anyone or other mums around me that was showing me what being a mum could look like and the benefits of that so all I can see was my friends that don't have kids having fun so that's why it was very hard for me to let go or not resent the fact that I am a mum. So once you, you're pregnant, maybe tr- take advantage of the mum groups so you're meeting people that are giving birth around the same time as you and try and connect. Because that way, you know, you're now, that is your new, I say new norm, but you're now around a different environment that's going to help you really try to excel in your new life. Because being a mum is a new life and it is basically a death to the old one in terms of, certain aspects you're not going to get again and there's nothing wrong with that but if you're constantly around people that are in your old life and that don't they don't look anything like your new life it's going to be a battle that's so true absolutely uh yeah you hit it on the nail there (laughs) very very true um i had the privilege to be honest with you to be around mums based on the area that we live in and yeah even her nursery my little girl's nursery they um they were extremely supportive towards us and um i agree with you that aligning yourself with people who are in the same situation or in the same season that you helps yeah um, definitely without a doubt and yeah we we enjoyed our baby classes i miss it now (laughs) (laughs) they grow up so fast don't they and and Obviously, like I said, I work full time and then I do, you know, doing the stuff on the side as well. There doesn't seem like any time to do anything, but it has to be intentional making that time because, you know, you build friendships. Like, so thankful that I met you in church and, you know, that was an opportunity. Again, for those that are listening that are believers, going to church when we're allowed to go back to church, for me, that is enjoyment. And it's little things like that, that, you know, you need to find a hobby or something that interests you and, 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 be purposeful, be purposeful in it, whether it's watching a show same time every week, but something for yourself that you keep for yourself that makes you happy. You know, yeah. being a mum, it's not, a tw- I know it's a 24 hour job in terms of you love your kids 24 seven, but you know, you are, your kids will grow up one day. And if you haven't done anything with your life in that time, you're going to feel lost when that time comes and they go off to uni or they marry and they leave the house. So it's really important in remembering that you also need to have a life as well for yourself. Definitely, definitely. How do you make time as a mum for yourself? Um, so any opportunity, and everyone will testify for testify for this. Toilet, the, that, that's number one, making time for yourself. If your child doesn't try to barge the door open. But I think, again, having a supportive family that will let you know in advance, oh, I can have Isaiah for this weekend, then I'm making sure I'm utilising that weekend. <laughs> for myself and I think you know asking for help there is nothing wrong for asking for help I think as mums we don't like the word no but no is a normal word that if someone can't help you out they can't help you out but there will be a time that they can say yes and you know planning your days around around those times that someone can watch your watch your child and if you've got a partner or a husband at home 
letting them know, you know, I need an hour or I need two hours to myself in a room. Please, can you support me in that? And that's something that my partner's been really, really good with. So that's, again, something that's what allows me to make time for myself, whether it's that time I use it to edit the podcast or do X, Y, and Z. You know, it's time that I'm just not being a mum. And I think that's so important just for headspace and just Mm. to clear my head. Mm. I hear you about that toilet. <laughs> lock, lock the door, lock the door. Oh, gosh, literally lock the gosh, door. Just the toilet. Like I'm not going to be doing anything on there, but I just need that time to myself. <laughs> My one is showers. <laughs> I oh, don't yeah. like anyone disturbing with me. <laughs> I could stay in the shower for like 45 minutes and my husband's thinking what are you doing I'm like this is my time let me enjoy please I'm laughing so much because that is what I do as well literally I put my music on so loud so I can't hear any screaming or mommy mommy I can't hear it and I've got the shower on and I just ignore everything I'm just like this is my time (laughs) I love that so do you have like any like future plans for you and your family that you are looking forward to yeah definitely obviously I've always said I want to have um three kids so you know we've got another two <laughs> to come three when that will be <laughs> girl I don't want I'll give you the gist <laughs> of what it when is to look up to three children <laughs> When that time comes, obviously God's time will be perfect. Um, but yeah, for us, it's just, you know, like I said, I've always wanted to be successful and build like wealth and really like set a marker for my children and children's children. So that's definitely something that me and my partner is on the forefront of our heads right now. And in in that, obviously, if more children come, then it's a blessing. But that's sort of what, what we're trying to do now, just build a really good foundation for the next generation or our next generation. Kerry, how can people stay connected to you or find you? Um, definitely on Instagram. I'm not on Facebook. Just social media is too much for me. So Instagram, Instagram is enough. They can find me at Kami underscore Arkafor. So that's Kami, K-A-M-I underscore Arkafor, A-R-K-O-R-F Freddy U-L. Or they can follow my podcast page, which is at Mummy and Mind, all one word. Um, podcast is available again on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and all major platforms. And on my personal Instagram, you know, there's a lot about me on there. If you need to get in contact with me, especially regarding the um, fashion agency as well, if you're based in Ghana or looking to do sort of any fashion related work in Ghana, please get in contact um, with me. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that, Kemi. Thank you for listening. I hope that you were encouraged. Please do share this with your friends or family and do come back for next week's episode. Bye for now.